0: to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 11th of May 2014, entitled The Burning Battle Within, and the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 25. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles for our scripture reading this evening, we'll be reading from the book of Romans chapter 7. I'll explain why we're here this evening in just a moment. But first of all, let's just uh, open our Bibles and and take our reading this evening. And we're, we read the entire chapter this morning as we, uh, of course, had already looked at a couple of sermons on the first uh, few verses and, and then uh, down through verse 13 this morning. So we're going to uh, pick up in verse 14 and read through verse 25, which is where we'll be looking this evening, God willing. I do invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read from Romans chapter seven, beginning in verse 14. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Father, we thank you again this evening for this glorious privilege that we have. Well, first of all, just to be gathered together in your house. Father, we thank you for your word that we have before us. We thank you for your spirit that lives within. And now, Lord, as we come to this time that we look into your word once again this evening, Lord, we call upon you that you would, by the power of your Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, we do not come deserving, but we come in great need. And Father, as we look here this evening, we know that you have promised, Lord, to give us the understanding that can only come from you. You know every heart. You know every need. And I pray, Lord, that through this unworthy servant, you would speak the words that you would have spoken this evening. They might find the resting place that our hearts would be receptive to what you have for us, Help us, Lord, to be responsive in whatever way we need. We will truly give you all the praise, honor, and glory. For it's in Christ's name alone we pray. Amen. For those that haven't been here, we have really taken a break in a couple of things. This really is what you call skimming the surface. I said this morning that when we went through the book of Romans, verse by verse, a few years back now, it took us a few years to get through it. (laughs) But we have just in these past few weeks tried to come here because, again, there are a number of you and others in our congregation that aren't here this evening. That, of course, have come to me specifically, and it's not because of something new. But it's this thing called antinomianism. And antinomianism has been around forever. (laughs) But the truth is, is that in a simple, simple definition, it's just it is trying to do away with the law because we don't live under the law but under grace that the law no longer is important to us. We said sometimes as Christians, it's not an easy thing for us to get this, well, you know, it's God's Word, it's God's law. Jesus Christ came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. We know that God has, we looked in the very first lesson, all the things that the Bible says about it, and and God's Word is eternal, and, and it always will be, and it will always stand. But how does it affect we as believers today? And, of course, as we looked, we began, and we, we looked in chapter 5 at a few things, and we, I mentioned that you know, that, you know, God's grace is so big that we can never, ever, ever, ever define it. I can never preach long enough and hard enough, and I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but I can never get there because God's grace is just indescribable. And yet what we saw when we looked there is that there are limitations to God's grace. If you didn't get that sermon, go back and listen to it. Amen? It's actually not up on the internet yet because we've been having some problems, but it'll be there soon, amen. (laughs) But we looked at some limitations of grace, and of course that comes through unrepentance and sin and things like that. But then as we moved on, we looked at, in in chapter 6, we looked at this next relationship, which is against sin's dominion versus grace's freedom. The sin that dominion has over an individual versus the freedom that we're given through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at that relationship. And from that, we moved to a a couple of sermons where we looked at the relationship between the believer and the law. Uh, And we discussed some of those things. And we came this morning as we looked at these verses here. And of course, as we looked there this morning, we talked about the fact that there's another relationship that we need to grasp, and that's the relationship between the law and sin. As we come this evening as we try to to wrap these things up i really have four thoughts for you this evening because one of the things that's hard to deal with sometimes is this battle that goes on within us you see some people have this idea that once you become a christian all the rest of life is just a bed of roses no problems no difficulties no challenges you know god's taking care of all of it well god does we've been singing about it all evening. You know, God is always there, and God is faithful. But the truth is, is that one of the things that's difficult is this, what I've simply called this evening, this burning battle within. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. It's actually a battle that is raging within him as a believer. And it's all because of this relationship that he has with with God's law versus God's grace with this whole thing of, of the dominion of sin over the flesh versus the freedom that God gives us through His grace. And so as we begin to look here, it almost sounds like the apostle is just talking in circles. You know, I'm doing something I'm not supposed to when I'm supposed to. I don't do and he's And he's going around, but he is, he is really trying to voice this burning battle that is raging with him. And I want to give you four simple thoughts as we look there this evening that relate to this. Why does the believer have this battle that takes place within them? Once they've been saved by God's grace, once they have been set free from the dominion of that once we saw in that, that relationship of the believer uh, with the law where that, you know, when we have died to one, we have been wed to another. Our relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ but we look here, and, and Paul points out four things that I think will help us to understand why this battle rages. And I guess many times we don't like the battles, do we? Uh, we would just as soon be able to uh, to put those aside and not have to deal with them. Uh, the truth is, is that there are many battles in life. The Bible has much to say about the warfare that we're fighting. And, of course, that is a warfare We fight a warfare every day with the enemy and we need to put on the whole armor and we need to stand against the the wiles of the devil and all of that, that battle out there. But this is a battle that is going on, not with out there, but with in here. And we find that this is why that I guess to some people, it seems easier to just do away with God's law. Okay. We're not under the law anymore. So God's law doesn't really matter. It doesn't apply to us anymore. But we began, as we've seen with all those things, that the law matters for many reasons. And as we saw this morning, we looked at some of those things that without the law of God, we would not even know sin. The law was never given to save anybody. The law shows us God's standard and, and His holiness. And it allows us, on the one hand, to see our sinfulness when it's compared against God. Paul said, were it not for the law, I would not have known sin. He said, I wouldn't have known this lust was a sin unless that I read in God's law that thou shalt not covet. We also saw that as we look there, that as we truly begin to look at God's law, it helps us to understand his grace more. We understand just how unlovable that we are when God loves us. We understand the more we see of our unworthiness, the more we see of his worthiness the Apostle Paul carries on here, the first thing, the first reason that this battle that was raging was that because of the carnality of his being. He says here in, in, in verse 14, he said, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I am carnal. He says, There's evidence of it. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. In other words, man, why am I always getting it wrong? I know what I'm supposed to do, and yet for some reason I don't do it. I know what I'm not supposed to, but for some reason I I do do it. He says, the law is spiritual, but me, I'm carnal. I don't approve of what's going on here. We find that not practicing what he really would like to do, sometimes doing that which he actually hated himself because he was falling short of God's standard. He said, verse 16, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it... Is good. For whatever reason, it's not the law's fault. <clears throat> we talked about that this morning. The law is good. The law is holy. The law is righteous. Matter of fact, Paul agrees with God's law, the law of God. You see, the more mature that a Christian really becomes, the more respect I believe that he has. God's Word. We find that so many times the Apostle Paul here isn't as we sometimes try to to find a reason to put the blame. Started in the garden. Adam's saying, no, it wasn't me. It was Eve. It was her fault. She made me do it. You know, the devil made me do it. It's always somebody else that, that made me do it. It's somebody else's fault. <coughs> Paul isn't looking for a scapegoat here. He's not blaming someone else. We find that the Apostle John put it this way in 1 John chapter 1, of course, very, very, very familiar verses to us. He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His Word, is not in us. There's no way that God's Word can be present in us and us not recognize our sinfulness. It's impossible. And so we find here that the Apostle Paul, when he's talking here, he when he says this, no more, it's no more. It's no more me that's doing this. He said, the truth is now, Then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. No more I that do it. Why? Because we've already seen in the previous verses and chapters that we've looked at here that there's been a complete permanent change that has taken place. God doesn't just patch things up to to get us by until it can be repaired again later. He makes us new. This complete change has taken place, and this is what the apostle is referring to here. As a child of God, with God living and dwelling within him, he could never approve of of, of sin. That would be an impossibility. Before conversion, it was no problem. The inner self had no problems with sin whatsoever. He was writing to the church at Galatia, Galatians chapter 2, and in verse 20, the Word of God tells us this. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. you See, after sin or after conversion, sin no longer is our master. We've looked at this in the previous verses. Sin is no longer our master. He's no longer in control of us, but it still exists in the flesh in that unredeemed humanness of ours. One writer put it this way. He said the Christian life is is like an unskilled artist. He sees this phenomenal scene before him and he wants to somehow be able with his brushes and his paint to be able to put that scene onto the canvas. But there's one problem. He's not a very good painter. He lacks the talent to be able to, to do that. Now, There's no fault in the scene whatsoever. There's no fault in the canvas. There's no fault in the canvas, in the brushes, in the paint. The fault is in the painter alone. You see, that's the problem with with us. The only way that we'll ever really be able to do it is when the hand of Jesus is over our hand. He's the one that has the ability. Of course, as Jesus was preparing his disciples for the cross and all that that stood before them. There in John chapter chapter 15 in verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. The truth is, is that The Apostle Paul, part of the reason that he had this real battle that was going on, he knew, he'd been made fresh, he'd been made new, that he wasn't the same person that he used to be. And yet there was still this carnality in his flesh that he was having to deal with. The thing was, there was a time when all of him was carnal. There was only the carnality. There was no battle then. There was no struggle within whatsoever. But no longer is this all of me as it used to be. You see, both the inner man and the outer flesh want the same thing when you're a lost person. But once we become a child of God, that's no longer true. The inner man has been changed completely. He's been made new. He's been bought with a price. So that creates a battle. It's no longer all of me that's that's doing these things, and that's why it's such a battle. That's why it's such a struggle for him. And it continues to go on. And of course, as we were singing this morning, to look at these things this morning, there's a day coming when we'll no longer have to worry about that carnality of the flesh. But what we have to recognize and realize now is that though there is a complete new me, is still living in this old temporary tabernacle that it has here. So the first struggle that he had, the first reason that he had this battle that was raging within him was because of the carnality of his being. The second, because of the very contamination of his flesh, Notice what he says in in, in the next verse there, in verse 18. He says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I, I find not. For the good that I would do not, for the good that I would, I do not but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You see, the first thing he recognized was that I am carnal. Now, that's no longer really the me. Real me lives in here, but this flesh is still carnal. The second thing he states is that there is nothing good in me at all nothing whatsoever this distinction between his flesh and the whole him the redeem me the flesh that I still live within you see only the only place within the believer that sin can reside is in the flesh. He can't dwell where Jesus dwells on the inside. He can't touch that part. We were saved by grace, not by man, not by our will, not by what we do. And the only place that sin can still affect us is there in the flesh. We talked about that already when we saw how that sin took occasion by the law, taking advantage of uses that flesh as a as a base of operation. We saw that that was what the word really talked about there, going on an expedition. So Paul says, I realize that I am carnal, and I realize that there is nothing good in my flesh. We note that he has the will, the desire, if you would, to, only do what's honoring to God, only to do what's good. But the performance just isn't there. We know that, I guess there are those and more power to them that believe that we can arrive at a place in this life that we can live above sin. I'd sure like to find that place. <laughs> I'd sure like to, to get there someday. But unfortunately, I haven't found it. And in Psalm 1, in verse 2, he says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You See, just as we talked about this morning, when I look at God's law, at God's standard, at God's holiness, I use this illustration, and I'm going to give it to you quickly again because you know, I'm 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 a simple kind of guy and sometimes God has to use very simple things with me. And I told some of you, you know, I don't you know, probably probably most of you are more spiritual than I. You know, I, I was raised in a Christian home and I'd never really known anything except going to church and being taught the word of God and all these things. And and you know, I got saved and I went through those teen years and whatnot, and God began to deal with me about the ministry and you know, it it wasn't like it was this purposeful pride thing. You know, I thought I was a, I was a pretty good old fella. <laughs> you know, I, I I knew all these things I'd been taught all my life, and I, you know, I was I, I was doing a pretty good thing, and all this and and I I can recall in those early days of, of of ministry. I can remember you know thinking about all the things that lied ahead and all the things that I wanted to do and all these things that God could do, but I've shared with some of you before. You know, it wasn't like there was thunder and lightning and windows rattling or anything like that. But I know, I know, God showed me this in the simplicity of of, of my mind. You know, it's, it's 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 like when you when you begin that Christian journey. It begins when one day, no matter how you've been raised, no matter where you come from, no matter how sinful a background, no matter how good a background, because. By God's law, we come to recognize that we are all sin, and that's where the the first part of Romans has already made that vitally clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We miss the mark when it comes to His glory. We might do okay comparing ourselves down here, but someday in our life that light is turned on when for the first time we see our sin. We've never seen it before, but we see it for the first time. And, of course, that's the light of God's Word as it, as it shines, and the Holy Spirit uses that. And for the first time, we, we see that dirt, that nastiness, and we, and we hopefully don't want it. We want to get rid of it. And, of course, a lot of things happen, but when we come to the only place we can to be cleansed, thank God the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But the thing is, that's just the beginning of the journey that's part of what Paul is doing because he's making that journey. And there's this new man on the inside that, that's been made in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he wants to follow God's law and he wants to, to live up to God's standard and do what God wants of him. But there's still this, this old body, this old flesh, these old members that, that he's still having to deal with. They're carnal. And he looks and he says, there's, there's just nothing good in my flesh whatsoever. You know, one of the ironic things of the Christian walk is that, you know, you get that dirt cleaned off, and what's happening is you're making a little progress on that journey. But you know what's at the far end of that journey? Oh, boy, I could, we, we could really, really, really preach all night if we got into Romans chapter 8 there now. <clears throat> we are being conformed to the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And as far as God is concerned, it's a done deal. God doesn't do it halfway. God doesn't stop partway along the way somewhere. It's a done deal. So at the far end of that journey is the Lord Jesus Christ himself and me being made just like him. That glorified body, all that, that carnality and flesh gone forever. But you know what happens? The brighter the light gets, what happens? The more the dirt shows up. You know, my wife really likes for me to wear black tops and black suits and black things. I hate wearing black. I like it when I first put it on, but it shows every little speck of everything, you know. And so I'm always going around doing, doing this, this number, you know, because this little piece of lint, and that little piece of lint, and this hair falls out, and I don't have too much dandruff, but I guess it's a little bit, <laughs> some, some of my beard, you know, and it just shows everything. The thing is, you, you, you may not see it, you're kind of in the dim light, but boy, you get in the bright light, and it just all shows up. That's part of the problem with our Christian life. See, we don't like to feel uncomfortable, but guess what? The closer we get to Jesus, the more that stuff's going to show up. And we say, wow, you know, that's pretty discouraging stuff, preacher, you know. <laughs> so if I'm going to grow, and if I'm going to mature, and if I'm going to become more like Jesus, then I'm just going to feel worse and worse about myself all the time. Yeah. That's true. But at the same time, you feel worse and worse about yourself. And you recognize more and more not how good you are, but how unworthy and how vile, and as we see in a few minutes, how wretched that we are. But you know what you see in more all the time? You see in Jesus clearer and clearer and clearer. It's all in Him. It's all Him. The closer that we get to Him, the more we move down this path. Hopefully we are becoming more like him. But the more that we become like him, the more we see of our wretchedness and our sinfulness when we're looking at the standard of his holiness and his righteousness. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying, oh man, I'm carnal. There's nothing good in my flesh. He's struggling with that He's struggling with that contamination of his flesh. We find as he goes on, I could say a whole lot more there, but there's something else here in verse 21 to 23 that adds to this problem. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, here he sees a third thing about him. Evil is present with me. First, I'm carnal. Then, there's nothing good in my flesh. And now, evil is present with me. I would do good. I would desire to do good. I want to do good. And yet, there's this evil, literally sin, that is present with me. For I delight, I, the inner man, delight in the law of God. He says, after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Wow. He said, you know, I want to do what's right. I want to live godly. I want to please God, but evil, sin, always present with me. The inner me, the real me, it delights after the law of God. But there's this other law in my, in my members again, in my body, in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind, that inner and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. You see, He's dealing with the carnality of his flesh, of his body, of his being. He's dealing with the contamination of that flesh. And here he's dealing with the very captivity of those members. We find that this law, that when a believer goes to do good, yet evil or sin is there because... Naturally, he wants to hinder that doing of good. We've said many times that, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times Satan's not too bothered with you. You want to sit back and be a spectator and take it in and maybe sing a few songs and might even read a few Bible verses along the way and, you know, quote the Lord's Prayer or something, you know, and do all these religious things. And the devil I'll just, yeah, just leave that guy alone. He's okay. He's not hurting anybody, (laughs) but you start trying to live godly. What was it that Paul wrote? They that live godly will suffer what? Persecution. Why? Because of this sinful world. You can't Live godly without conviction being brought to us. We're not going out there trying to make people hate us. We're not going around trying to, to somehow get them to dislike us because that we're these goody, goody Christians. But if we live godly lives, the persecution will come because they're going to be convicted in their own sinful lives. The devil wants to stop that. He wants to hinder that. You see, first of all, the Bible tells us that, oh, wow, them that are blinded to what? To the gospel are them that don't have the gospel, them that are the unbelievers. (laughs) He can't blind you and I to the gospel once we've been saved. But he'll try to blind the minds of those that haven't been saved. First thing he wants is he wants you forever if he can have you. He wants to keep you from coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But once you're saved, he can't have you then. He's got to get through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the universe to be able to get to you. He can't have you, but he can sure make you ineffective. He can make you useless as a Christian. He can make your life in such that it really isn't accomplishing. Again, we're going back, we're looking at all these things, you know, that we've been looking about in all of our series on on contending for the faith and the whole reality, so many of the things. God's Word just just comes together so perfectly. Why did He give us the Holy Spirit? So that the work of Christ could could be carried on through us. So that Christ, why did Jesus say, The things that I do shall ye do also, but greater than these shall ye do, because I go into the Father, because I'm going to send another. In those verses it's him and it's god the father and it's god the holy spirit they're all there but the truth is is that jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost the reason that we're still here is that the work of christ might go on that others might come to know the lord jesus christ satan wants to stop that and what he's trying to do here is literally Bring that body. He can't get you, but he wants to bring that body into captivity. He wants to keep you from being able to do anything from God. He can't get to the you on the inside, the real you. He can't get past the blood of Christ. But Paul says, bring brought into captivity. The inward man's delights and desires are, they're after God's law. That's what he wants. This complete change that took place. That's when the conflict began. That's when there was something to to fight against each other. He says, there's another law, not in the inner man, but in his members, in his body, in his flesh, in his unredeemed humanness. This other law is warring against the law of the mind or that inner man. I said before that, you know, this is one of the, greatest battlefields in all the world. Most of it takes place right here. It happens here before that it's seen on the outside. The devil will try to get to you here. He'll try to to discourage you. He'll try to get you to believe things. He'll try to, to play with your thoughts and your mind. Now Paul's not saying here that every thought that you have is spiritual. He's not saying that everything the body does is sinful what we're recognizing here is that, is that that inner man, he is controlled by God, by the Holy Spirit. And of course, then we get into, again, in, in fact, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. But here, this, this warring that is, that is going on, there's this part of him that's contrary. This, this flesh is still contrary. And of course, as that battle rages, you can never think about sin in the same way once you become a Christian, once you begin to see sin as God sees it. And I've said before, you know, that's what, that's, there is no salvation outside of Repentance people try to be christian for all kinds in all kinds of ways but you know re- repentance is about a change of direction but the reason that we change direction is because first of all it's about a change of mind that we begin to see our sin as god sees it we begin to think about it like god thinks about it not like we in our flesh think about it and when we begin to see god as or see sin as god sees it It'll repulse us like it repulses God. We want to get away from it. We want to go the other way. And and it's no longer this contrast that I've shown you before that so many times you've got somebody that's wanting to live a Christian life, but what they're really trying to figure out is how much of the world can I still have? How close can I be to the world? What can I still hang on to in the world and be okay without bringing the wrath of God down on me? Rather than at the farther extreme, how much can I be like Christ? What can I do to be like him? We're still being pulled too much by those things. But Paul recognizes that there is this battle that's raging because maybe his flesh, maybe his unredeemed self is still influenced by those things. But he doesn't, he can't think about those things the same way. He can't feel about those things the same way that he did before. Paul even states here that sometimes this fleshly law or law of sin undermines the law of his mind and temporarily brings him into captivity. He gets caught. He gets caught out. And you know, that's that's one of the hard things. And, and it gets harder when you get to be as young as I am. You know, you think you'd learn some of these lessons sometimes and you just think, you know, that you just quit making some of those same stupid mistakes. You think that somehow you could just get an upper handle on, on something. But you know, the problem is is that as long as we have to deal with this flesh, sometimes we're going to falter. That's what Paul was experiencing here, and there was this, this battle that was raging within him. And again, folks, this is this is not a deficiency. In our salvation, in any way. The moment that we are saved, we are totally acceptable before God. Because God sees us in Christ rather than in the old Adamic self. It's not a deficiency in our salvation, it's the reality of this world that we still live in because we do not have our redeemed bodies yet. And as long as we are in these mortal bodies until it is changed and puts on that immortality, evil is present, sin is present, we are subject to temptations. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For well, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We must, for the time being, live in the flesh. But we've already talked about all this. We're no longer under the dominion of sin. We have a choice now, and as hard as it may be to admit, every time we sin, it's not because we had to, it's because we choose to. We don't have to sin. We do because of what he's talking about right here. We let that flesh win out sometimes, but it's no longer in control. The only way that it can ever have the upper hand is because you let it. So, again, we're skimming. I'm carnal. This carnality is something that we're going to have to continue to deal with. There's nothing good in my flesh. Evil, sin is is always present. I want to give you this fourth one because our time is gone. Verse 24 and 25. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Constant cry for deliverance, all for a redeemed person, for a child of God. You're never going to be happy with what that old unredeemed flesh is wanting. You know, Paul looks at himself and he says, I'm just a a wretched man. Scottish commentator Robert Haldane observes that men perceive themselves to be sinners in direct proportion as they have previously discovered the holiness of God and His law. You see, if if we're measuring it against anything else, then it's not going to be accurate. The higher place that God's Word and God's law holds in our life, then the greater we're going to perceive just how great a sinners that we really are. Paul said, who shall deliver me? From the body of this death, that body that remains subject to sin and death. It's interesting as I was doing a bit of a word study, these words here, deliver me. This is what he's crying out, deliver me. The basic idea behind it is, is the rescuing from danger. As a matter of fact, the term that's used here is a term that was used of a soldier that would go on to the battlefield where a wounded comrade was down, and he would carry him back to safety. You see, Paul sees himself on that battlefield, and he sees himself wounded and down. He said, Who's going to rescue me? Who's going to get me out of this situation? Oh, wretched man that I am! Who's going to deliver me? Oh, he's longing for that day, folks. He knows. I thank God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's longing for that day, for that day when this flesh will be put away once and for all. I read this, and of course, the only thing that I know of in the world that's inspired by God is His Word. But there's a story that's told that relates to this passage here because it said that where the Apostle Paul came from, Tarsus, that there was an ancient tribe that was near that part of the world. And they had a very special way of dealing with convicted murders. When someone was convicted and found guilty of murder, they would actually tie the dead corpse onto their back. And then that person that had been convicted, they would have to walk around and do everything that they did with this dead body tied onto their back. Well, you know what begins to happen in a very short time with that dead body as it begins to deteriorate and decay. And then guess what happens? All that decay comes into that person. They would eventually die because of the decay of this dead person on their back. Now, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm old, but I'm not quite that old. (laughs) I read it, and many think that that's why, that it's the Apostle Paul was crying out here. But that's exactly what he probably had in mind, because he would have known of that. And that's what he felt like, like a man that was still carrying this dead corpse around, and it still was having this effect on him. Who's going to rescue me from this? Who's going to deliver me from this? Folks, I want you to understand something. There is no more blessed people than all the world than you and I, and I mean, you know, we look back and God has always been God and God has always loved it. And from the very first man until the last one that's ever born, There's only one way that anybody can ever be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ and His sacrifice of what He completed for them. There is no other way. But we find that, you know, the nation of Israel, when they were living under God's law, they were having to go back with those temporary sacrifices time and time again, year after year after year after year. But none of those sacrifices would save them. They were looking for that day to come when that Messiah would come. Those prophecies would be fulfilled. Now, sadly, when he did come, most of them didn't accept him. They rejected him for who he was. They're still looking, but they were looking forward to what God's promise had promised he would do. Over 2,000 years ago, God fulfilled that promise. We live in what we often refer to as this dispensation of grace where that now the payment has already been paid. Everything has been done. For by grace are you saved through faith. God's grace will save, but the only way to get to it is through faith. There's no other road. There's no other path. Faith in Jesus Christ his finished work and all that he did for us what a glorious thing I recognize and understand and all these things you know for all of us we're human and we read God's Word and as and as Christians we have such a desire we said before you know it, it, it get, gets really hard sometimes when everybody's got the truth and everybody's basing it on the Bible and everybody's right but yet they're all different when you stand before God one day, He's not going to ask if you lived your life according to Pastor Larry Curtis or Pastor Ken McIntosh. He's not going to ask if you lived your life according to some church or some religious order. You know, the Bible talks about the books being opened and the book being opened, and there's a lot of contemplation over what that is. Well, I don't believe there's any question that the book is the Lamb's book of life. (laughs) If your name's not written there, then that's it. There's no other option. I believe those books that we're being, going to be judged by are the very books that you hold in your hand right there. I believe that that's what's going to come down to in the end. That's what we mean when we talk about individual soul liberty. You're going to be accountable to God for what God said. I wouldn't tell you anything wrong for all the world, but I know it's hard to believe, but I can be wrong sometimes. Asked my wife, I think, about 20 years ago, I made a mistake. But God's Word is meant for us to understand. It's not meant to confuse. That's why He gave us His Holy Spirit, to give us understanding. But all I'm saying to you is, folks, God's law is beautiful and holy and righteous. There's nothing wrong with God's law. And Jesus didn't come to destroy it. God's standard hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. We're not living under that ceremonial law anymore, but God's moral law hasn't changed. Jesus fulfilled everything that was there, but it wasn't destroyed. God hasn't become anything less than what he showed us that he was, and if it wasn't for that, we would never even know that we were sinners. We'd never come to recognize and understand what God's grace is and how big it is and how blessed we are that he has loved us so much. God's law ought to be held in a high place in our hearts. Thank God we live under grace. Thank God that, I, as we've talked about, that freedom that's ours in knowing. Yes, I I'm just like the Apostle Paul, I look and I say, you wretched man. At the same time, I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is everything that we need. So with all the things, just, just take God's Word and grasp it, understand it. And as the Apostle Paul is trying to show you, don't let that put you off. You know, I've said to you before, it's not only this battle here. You know, what I would be worried about as a Christian is if you were in a case to where it didn't matter if you broke God's law. It didn't matter what God's standard was. We'll never meet that standard. But yet, We do meet it in Jesus, all because of him. And so when we think about these things and we look at these things, don't, yes, there's a battle there, but don't, uh, you know, don't get upset because you're fighting the battle. I'd I'd be really worried if there was no battle, if you didn't care, if God's law didn't speak to you. It's his word that sanctifies us, that cleanses us. The same thing with, you've heard me say it many times, and I'm going to say it in closing tonight. It's kind of the same thing when Jesus looked on the multitudes, he saw them like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion upon them. He didn't look at how vile they were, how dirty they were, how sinful they were. He looked at the fact just like those sheep without a shepherd, they were in danger, they had nobody to feed them, nobody to protect them, nobody to guard them, nobody to care for them. and he hurt deep down inside himself. And you know, as Christians, sometimes we don't like to hurt, but I think we maybe need to pray, God, make us hurt a bit more. Make us feel about those people the way you feel about them. God's law is special and it's precious, and it's God's law. It was when he gave it. It still is and always will be. God's standard doesn't change, but by grace, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's where our freedom is at. There is this battle that's going to rage because just like the Apostle Paul, you still got to deal with the carnality. you still got to deal with the contamination of your flesh, that evil that's always present with you. You've still got to deal with the fact that some way, somehow, all along this way, that we've still got these old redeemed selves. That is the Apostle Paul, that redeemed man within, will be crying out, as the Apostle Paul, Who's going to deliver me? But the answer is Jesus. He will deliver you. He'll deliver you today. He has delivered you from sin if you've put your faith and trust in Him. And one day, He'll deliver you completely. These old, unredeemed bodies that we still live within. We're going to sing for a closing hymn this evening. It's Not exactly what a lot of times that we sing for a closing hymn, but I think it's very appropriate because this is the thought that I want you to leave with. As we've looked at these, and I I, I am sorry that we've had to go through it so quick. We've we still got to get back. We've only been a little over two years on another series that I had to come away from. We've got to get back to that. But undoubtedly in God's direction, you want us just to touch on these things, to confirm these things within us, and to remind us of these things, things that we know. But you know, though that battle is raging within, the songwriter says there's victory in Jesus. That victory is yours this evening if you're in Jesus.